you know, just like physical illness, mental illness can be overcome. We just got to inspire people to believe that. The mental health community and the firearms industry have spent way too much time running parallel to each other without communicating. It's time we change the narrative and destroy the stigma that we both face. Walk the Talk America presents Guns and Mental Health, a podcast for firearms owners, clinicians, and the curious public. Welcome, Kevin Riker, to the Guns and Mental Health Podcast. Uh, how are you, sir? Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, thanks, thanks to both you and uh, Mike for reaching out, and glad to be here. Yeah, good to meet you. Um, I've heard about you. Now I'm getting to meet your face, at least. You're, you're in Florida, uh, so thanks for accommodating us here on the West Coast. Appreciate you. Hey, like I said, appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to the Cabo. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Hey, what's happening? Uh, Kevin, uh, it's a pleasure to always speak to you. Thank you for coming on. I'm excited about this one. Absolutely. It's a little overdue, but we're good to go now. Right? <laughs> I'm real now. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited because you, uh, you know, we, her organization is Walk the Talk America, and we're supposed to be walking in this chasm between gun ownership and mental illness. And um, you lived it. Uh, because your kids were in the Parkland shooting. Correct. Uh, it's hard to believe it's two years later um, because, you know, all I have to do is drive down the street and there's the monuments and all those things that, that bring back just all the memories pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're over the uh, – I think we're over the hump of the initial shock and all that comes when I think a lot of people – Sorry if it popped out there. I think a lot of people, um, again, it was in the news cycle for a while, had a bunch of kids, march on D.C., kind of fades away from the news cycle. Well, here it's it's been real. You know, you had kids that had to go back to school. And I talk about last year um, the code red drills that were, you know, implemented by the county. So you have a group of kids at a high school that are getting a code red drill, acting like there could be another person there to shoot them up once a month by mandate. And I just thought that was crazy. And there was nothing we could do as parents and just live through it with our kids. But it was, you know, those text messages and they're doing another one and all that stuff. Um, after we had, it just seemed like you, you'd get over a little hump and then they'd, they'd set you back and you get over a little hump and they set you back. Well, now that it's COVID, it's really kind of just faded into the background of that thing that happened a few years ago. Um, but it is unique that I've lived through the fact that, you know, pro-gun, pro-2A. I believe everybody should have everything that they're, that's out there. You know, if you're, uh, if you're a sound-minded adult um, and, and you get training, I feel like anybody should be able to own anything they want to to, to defend themselves under that, that very specific Second Amendment. Um, at the same time, after hosting Gun News Weekly for five years and going through all of those stories, all of the different shootings, all the self-defense uh, situations with, again, even a kid picking up the gun that's owned by the parents to defend his own home because he had had the training, all the stories in between. Um, and then to have to hit the hard wall of like, an entire community where, again, I get my car to go somewhere and pull up to a stoplight and there's, you know, MSD strong, no more guns, you know, gun with the circle through with the circle and the slash through it just everywhere. Um, it, it was, it was, again, it was a unique experience. And, um, I, what I, what I'd wrap up is it in the intro is say to you that we, at this point, 
my family talks about um, the fact that uh, it's something that we live through, but it's not something that we let identify ourselves by. We're not the family that lives in Parkland that went through the terrible shooting. We're the Rikers. Um, and yeah, that happened. And we'll talk about it, but that's not, that's not, it's not our mission in life to um, change anybody's opinion on anything at this point. How did you get into yeah. firearms? This is back up before we get into the Parkland thing. Yeah. yeah. How'd you get into firearms? <clears throat> I grew up in DC and Baltimore and was a bad kid and was around guns all my life um, as a, um, as one of those things that was involved with things that we did, like when we were robbing houses, I was, I was a bad kid. I was involved with, um, let's just say I ended up in front of a judge when I was 17 and I ended up in the, the pilot program called operation last chance, which ended up becoming scared straight. That TV show you saw. <laughs> yeah. I was in the first one when we were in Hagerstown jail, there were no cameras, there were no rules. And that changed my life that way. But I always, I always believed in, in personal protection, uh, Later in life, always, always had a gun, always had one. Um, when I turned 21, um, you know, was able to um, at least know that I was legal in most places with it. Uh, it really got hot and heavy for me about 15 years ago here in Florida, driving around with a gun in my glove compartment. And I found out that if you got pulled over in a, in a school zone and you didn't have a concealed carry permit, it's felony to have a gun in your glove compartment in that school zone. Wow. wow. And I was in a business, I was doing house calls. So, I mean, I was driving through school zones all the time. So I, I made the decision to uh, get the concealed carry permit, get more training and then start carrying full time. Just kind of went with it. Kids were born along the way, got to the ages of six and eight. As a dad, I said, I want to make sure my kids understand these, these, these things. And, you know, cause there's 300 million of them in America. It's a responsible thing to make sure that your kids don't roll up on a, it is a cert gun, but don't roll up at a gun at Johnny's house and Johnny's waving around. Let me show you my dad's cool gun. We know that that's where all those accidents and things happen. Um, I wanted to make sure that they were proficient and I had two general rules when they go away to college, um, be able to throw up a triangle choke on a guy that deserves it and hit a coffee can at 50 yards. And one's I'm one for one. The second one goes away next year. I have no doubt she can do both those things too. So. That's awesome. <laughs> Not too many people uh, can brag about sending their kids off to college, knowing how to throw a person into a triangle triangle hold. I'm, I'm no expert at, at those things, but I do know a little enough to, to, to make sure that they're proficient at it. But, um, and then it turned into the, the tech daddy thing. I, I literally woke up one day and, and said, um, all right, cool. If I'm going to teach my kids how to, you know, do guns, I was watching. Um, I give credit to that video from uh, like, it was, it was a, video with Tim from military arms channel destiny from she was fate of destiny back in the day. I know that, um, Such was there and there was a couple others. I think it was Hickok and they were sitting around a campfire and the videos at this point is probably dated 10 years, nine years. And what I realized was they all fell into it. They turned on a camera, uploaded it to YouTube. Someone was like, Hey, that's cool. I have questions. And then it rolled. And I have a mass comm degree. I've been in media. I've worked for, you know, a bunch of different things along the way. I knew I could do this. And I said, let me sit down and write down a business plan. Let me go on the retail side of things. I set up tagdaddy.com and just drop shipping product to people. Again, everything other than guns and ammo, you know, holsters and things like that. And then it started becoming a review channel, started showing people training, started showing people reviews, ended up with almost 2000, uh, 2000 videos out there. Along the way, worked with a lot of great people like Rob Pincus. I wrote for PDN for a while. 
um, Guns Magazine. I ran Funker Tactical for about a year. I worked with some great people there. Um, so again, that was all rolling and rolling and rolling. And then the hard stop. And since then it's kind of been an ease, slow ease back into things. Um, at this point, I can tell you that this year, um, cause my youngest daughter is my, is my range buddy. She's the one that took it, ran with it, loves it. What's next. Let's do long range. Cool. You know, and, and all of it. And she took a solid year off. Um, and we eased her back in. And at this point this year alone, she's done every training event that I've done, including, a defensive pistol class with Pincus down here, um, defensive rifle classes uh, with the League of Pirates stuff that we do down here at the at the, the range outdoors, and um, at this point she, uh, she she's back. So, you know, understanding that that's a tool. It's a it's a tool that did a lot of damage to a lot of friends and and, and a lot of families around here. But when it comes down to it, she is you know she's in, she she understands that she is her ultimate protector at this point she's she's out she's driving she's got a job she works she's here and there so that's that's a lot of material you covered there um i want to get to some of it in my realm the, the mental health aspect of things the the trauma the the recovery from trauma but it looked like mike sure. was going to jump in with uh, something more close well, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, and Kevin, I know you've talked about this stuff over and over again. You've actually written a book about it, right? And I want you to plug your book because I think it's important. Um, but, you know, I've had personal conversations where you, when I first met you um, over the phone, you were you you told me the story of that day. And I think that that would be kind of cool for people to hear if you don't mind repeating. Oh, yeah, I, I can do that for you. Well, the, the so the book, I made a decision halfway through um writing it and ended up shelving it in terms of like going to a publisher and, and going down the road of like that whole thing. Um, it was more my therapy. It was more me sitting at my pool two hours a day, pretty much religiously about, about five days a week. About it, it sometimes was too hot and I get out of there after 90 minutes, but for the most part, that's what I was doing every day after I got the kids off to school, I come down I take my laptop out and I had my whole outline done for the whole book. I mean, I knew what I was going to write about. Guns in America, part three in the book. That was the first thing I wrote. Here's what you need to know about guns from a gun guy perspective. Here's what we need to talk about with the other side. All that stuff, back and forth. Um, and then I went and telling the entire story. That's, so it was more of a historical thing for me. I don't want my kids, grandkids to ever say, I wonder what really happened. There's both uh, on, again, it's aware and prepared dot live is the host of that that pdf book you can download it right now and, and read it um and that's available for free there is no cost or anything like that there's also one if you type in the same thing aware and prepared um logically emotional in parkland uh on youtube i actually put it to voice because my mother-in-law can't read so well anymore so i promised her that by the end of the second year i would put it to voice so i sat down and just narr i just read the whole book narratively i think it's about four or five hours long that one um, so to answer your question, Mike, uh, average day, I had some errands to run. I was on my way down the sawgrass down at home Depot and I get the text message and it's, it's right there in the front of the book. It's, it said, um, dad, I love you. We're under a code red. Don't come here. And what that, and that was from my oldest. And what that meant was she knows that I train and that I, basically again uh, you know i'm one of those guys i got full kit in my car you know it's secure but i've got a rifle and body armor and uh, med kits and all that stuff that if something should happen I, I might be able to help somebody 
Um, and I was about two miles out and the initial, the initial shock was, holy shit, really? You know, like, again, we had done Columbine, we had done Las Vegas, October, just five months earlier, Las Vegas, and then SHOT Show, where me and my brother rode around with Uber guys talking to them about their experience with that. Um, Cause we wanted to document it. We wanted to get some guys on the grounds uh, opinions about what had happened and all that stuff. And, so initial was shock and then, um, you know, big U-turn driving back down the highway. When I tell you that everyone was going hundred and the cop cars were flying by at 150, it was crazy. Pull off at the big, huge, long exit, but it's now backed up. Cops going in each direction, trying to get to the school. I finally get up to the light. I turn timing wise. There's an absolute chance that the killer walked in front of me when he was going from the McDonald's to the, to the Walmart that's a really weird backtrack because you go back and you go through what could I have done? What could I have done? Could I, could I have gotten to the school and helped someone with the tourniquet? Could I have gotten so? And my thought at the stoplight was I got to get there. I got to get there. Um, and then I realized that there was no way I was going to get there, that every cop in the County from again, Palm beach County, Broward County was all descending on it to a point that it was, going to end up being like a two mile run if I'd wanted to jump out of my car and try to do something. And I know at that point, again, average, average dude running with a gun or running to help. It's not a good scene. It's not a good look. We don't advise it in training that, you know, you, you need to really assess that because all of a sudden you've got a hundred guys on high alert trained to find the guy with the gun. And here you are in non-official non-police uniform trying to help. Um, but anyway, realized that I wasn't going to be able to get there, was in full communication with both kids on text, pulled over at the, the one area as some kids were coming. I said, what happened? What happened? The one kid said to me, um, there's a shooting at the school. Four kids have been shot. Holy shit. I know my girls are okay. They're texting me. They're okay. I know that there's a full on uh, police response there. I'm assuming at that point, um, that there's really nothing I can do. It, it, a very helpless feeling. You talk about a mental health thing. You know, you're full kit. You're freaking Kevin the Tack Daddy. You train like crazy. You prepare for this stuff. You talk about this stuff. You're aware and prepared. And you're completely helpless other than communications with your two babies that are in a closet with a dude running around shooting people, shooting kids. Um, at that point, got in contact with my wife who was in a dentist chair who after the third call finally picked it up coordinated back at the house with my mother-in-law, my wife, television now on overhead video shots. I can open my door and there's the helicopters. They're telling us, my daughter's telling me at that point that they're, you know, everything's on lockdown. Like it's complete lockdown. It's, it's, it's madness. There's triage right there. Um, at a final point, they had the kids come out somewhat systematically. And as that happens, I jump in the car, drive about three quarters of the way there, pull over, and literally I get choked up at this one. That's that moment that you're like, holy shit, because you're watching children. So, uh, God, I get, I get choked up. It, there's so, the desperation in their faces just. I'll never forget it. And it was not one or two or five for me. I'm literally running past looking for my girls and parents everywhere, kids everywhere, 
quarter mile down the streets, that scene with all the flashing lights, complete. I mean, just can I curse in here? Sure, go ahead. Just fucking bedlam. Just fucking bedlam. And it's all just parents looking for their babies and and scared as shit, confused kids looking for their parents. And that moment is the one that gets me. Um, because it was just it was just so fucking crazy. And then you're hug and then you get to them and you're hugging them. And what do you say other than let's get home to mama? You know, like holy shit. Thirty minutes ago you were in a room getting ready for the bell to ring, practicing a drama recital, gunshots, fire alarm, bell goes off, all the kids go outside. I have a video from the school camera of my kids coming out with a couple other girls realizing what was happening on and ushering everyone back into the school. Like, get the fuck back inside. Wow. The guy that was shooting at that point was on the second level. Because now, again, they have a complete layout what he did minute by minute like second by second at that point they were ushering everyone back inside. He was on the upper level by himself in a classroom, trying to shoot down into that courtyard, uh, hurricane proof glass and some sort of malfunction jam on the gun is what ended it. He bang, 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 shot a few rounds into the glass, didn't go through the glass, didn't break the glass. And then the gun jammed up and that's where it lay at the end is what I understand. Um, and then we're back in my house watching fucking Wolf Blitzer and, and Anderson Cooper talk about the school that my, I, I, again, I grew up in, I had a troubled childhood. My dad was an alcoholic. Mom was absent. And all I ever wanted in life was get to a cool, safe place and race my kids in a, in a safe place and a good environment with great schools and all that stuff. And parking's all, it, I mean, again, you're talking about some of that, that Douglas school, the, the rating on it and all that kind of stuff in terms of Florida schools. It's as good as you can get in terms of a public school. Um, and these zip codes are high-end zip codes. Parkland is not, you know, on the wrong side of the tracks. Parkland is affluent Broward County. And so the next days and, and weeks involved, again, uh, um, I forget what they call it but there, there was the different things that they put on publicly over at the, uh, the rec center where, you know, uh, Rizzo, the baseball player that's real famous from down here from just a few years ago and the mayor and everybody spoke and the religious leaders spoke. And, and that was the other real crazy moment was that that moment when we got over there and I was watching kids interact for the first time. And, and again, just break down and, and just wailing, just some of the worst like memories are from kids crying and just holding each other because their friends are gone. You know, and um, and then I took my little girls to funerals. <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 absolutely crazy, and 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 everyone wanted me to put up, you know, start talking about the gun thing right away, and the gun thing. Meanwhile, again, I'm carrying a gun and two extra magazines under a suit. It's what I do. It's who I am. I'm not going to go some public place and just because. Yet everyone was questioning. Everyone was like, I mean, again, there were there were chats that were telling that people were selling, telling people that I sold my guns. <laughs> just rumor mill bullshit, you know, and things like this. Um, but that, that wasn't the part about it. It was, it was the emotional side of dealing with two young girls and a mother. Um, after I told you all that, you want to think about the first day back to school? I mean, 
crazy, just crazy. So we lived through it day by day. We got through it day by day as a family. We became incredibly stronger as a family as a result of it. Um, but there are still parents here that are fighting the fight. There are still kids that are graduated now that are, again, million and a half followers on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff fighting the fight that they see um, in their eyes. And over the last two years, it's been very interesting. I'll tell you this, though, over the last six months, the tide has turned. All those people that, and that's what I realized in the whole the whole thing. You have these extreme on this side, you have the extreme on this side, and everybody in the middle kind of goes back and forth based on media and circumstance and kind of how it. Oh, Sandy Hook parents lost their little babies. Maybe we should talk about gun rights, you know, and that kind of stuff. And now it's way over here. People are watching the TV stuck in their house for the last six months, watching different cities go to shit, watching different. Again, the threats from our politicians on both sides about how, you know, wild gangs are coming to your neighborhood to take over and, you know, burn your house down and take your shit. You better have a gun. So yeah. the gun argument is a whole other story. But back to back to the the the, the school shooting, the, the, the truth of the matter is you had 3,000 families go through this. You had all of the businesses around town that went through this. Think about all the think about the dentist who now has all of these kids and all of these parents that are going to come through as patients every single day. But what did they see? What did they go through? Every business got affected by it. Um, it's a trauma bomb that goes off in the community. And I, and I often talk, I often remember, I, I reminded someone of this the other day. They're like, holy shit, I'd never even heard that, Kevin. Um, 17 kids died. Like 17 kids actually no longer on the earth. 17 kids got shot at least once, some multiple times, and lived. No one knows their names. So if 17 died and 17 shot got shot and lived, my guess is that a couple hundred kids, freshmen at the time, saw warlike situations and, and saw what bullets do, you know, to, to flesh and the smells and the sounds. And I don't know how that core group of a couple hundred kids is today. And I don't know how their families are, but Holy shit, you know, they went, they went through that. And, and it's a, it's a, it's what we went through is a fraction of what some of these other families went through is what I want to say. I don't want to act like I'm the martyr or I'm the, I'm the, Oh, woe is me. Or you should, you know, uh, worry about Kevin and his family. Well, we're okay. We still have our, we still have our moments. I mean, we still have issues. I never thought, you know, going to Disney world would end up being a, a, a bad thing, but we went back one time and we were leaving right, right as the sunset fireworks started going off and the auditory of the fireworks, um, set off a physical reaction in both my girls. Hmm. unplanned and they're both you know doing good everyone's doing good um my oldest is off to college unless she is in a conversation where she tells someone she's from parkland and she lived through it it's a non-issue for her uh, my youngest one is doing basically the homeschool here thing here now but she's doing the she was doing the dual enrollment thing anything anyway which is a, a they allow seniors to take the um local community college classes and get credits that they can apply for college while they're in high school. 
So she was going to do that anyway. Um, and she's doing great. You know, they're, they're both doing great. Like I said, it's something we lived through. It's something we don't, we don't talk about it every day by any means, but every once in a while, something will come up. Yeah. Well, your daughter was part of a, a documentary on HBO. I mean, she's a very talented girl. So, <laughs> so there's two of them. <laughs> What's crazy about that whole thing is um, I, the pride my pride for both of them comes from neither of them made the choice to chase fame and the opportunities were there. My old, my youngest is an incredible singer and they did that, that song afterwards. And she was a part of the spoken word thing at the CNN thing the first time. And after that happened, she saw what was happening. You know, they're going to go here and they're going to go to New York and they're going to do, she said, Nope, I don't want to be a part of it. One of the healing therapy things that they offered to the kids in the drama department was to have them write poems, songs, and spoken word of which my other daughter, we just had an anniversary because it was yesterday. Um, my other daughter, the older one who's at Alabama, she's actually, um, she's actually an Emmy nominee because she wrote a song with her friend and they actually used it as the theme song for the HBO documentary you spoke of. Oh, wow. So she's, she didn't win, but she went to California last year and, and uh, went to the actual award show and all that fun stuff. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I keep, I told her, I, I was like, this isn't going to hit you for a while, but you have Emmy nominee on your resume forever. You know? Yeah. They're going to ask you why and how and everything, but everyone else is going to think that's pretty, pretty cool. It's something that popped into my head when you're talking about, you know, uh, it was, it was the, the, the community, right. And there was the trauma bomb and, and, uh, you mentioned identity earlier. Um, I think with a lot of these major events that happen to towns that nobody really has ever heard of, except maybe a loose association with a university or something like that, um, Parkland, Waco, Sandy Hook, um, uh, and then that's an elementary school. But it's like Littleton, Colorado, same thing. You know, like now every time that town is mentioned – the association goes straight to the to the tragedy, and it's interesting to me that you know your 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 oldest is off at college, and unless somebody mentioned you know unless she mentions where she's from, there's no association there, and probably that would have been the case had that not happened. Um, but interesting to me is the choice not to pursue fame initially because I think whether it was conscious or unconscious, um, there's this knowledge that you're forever going to be linked to that as an identity. And it's like, I heard you say earlier on, it's like, that's not my family's identity. Like it's something that happened. We've, we're so much more than that. Right. And it's not, that's not the be all end all it just so happens that you're on this podcast for that reason. Um, we probably would have had you on cause you're tack daddy anyway. Uh, and there's a, there's a gap to bridge, especially with your own upbringing and whatnot. But, um, I'm, I'm curious to know what your perspective is on that. Or maybe you could speak for your, your wife or your kids about, the concept of identity as it relates to um, what anything else you do in life. So she won't be mad at me sharing this because she'll probably never know about it unless I tell her about it. Um, And she's, (laughs) and it's just, again, enough time has passed. Um, My oldest was not terrified. She had concerns as she was going to rush a sorority her freshman year. Well, what's on your name tag and everything, you know, again, when we went up for it, uh, for just, um, you know, when they were showing us around campus and everything like that, it, you know, it's, 
Miley Brinker, Parkland, Florida. Yeah. Unless you say otherwise, that's what they're going to put on the name badge. And I told her, I was like, first of all, anywhere in the world, you can go tell them to put Florida or South Florida or Pompano because technically mm-hmm. that's what the zip code says. Whatever. She was worried about that, and she was worried about that during the whole interview process that everyone was going to focus on. So what's your name? Where are you from? Da, 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 da. Oh, gosh. You know, tell us, you know, tell me more. And she didn't want to go through it all over and over. And it was, it just wasn't a thing. Um, I think my wife, again, my wife and I, 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 my wife's a nurse. So, and her friends and her, her nursing, you know, the doctors she works with and everything, I, they all know that this happened because they're, they're local, you know, Weston's right down the road. They're aware of Parkland. If, if there's ever a, where do you live? And it's Parkland. It's, Oh my gosh, did you, did you have any kids there? I mean, it's, it's just the natural next question from an adult. Um, there's a weird bond between me and some of the other dads who some way, shape or form know that each dad, I mean, again, I know of one family, I mentioned that crazy intersection earlier. I mean, I know of one family that were going out for a late, he called it a late, but it was a two o'clock lunch on Valentine's day with his wife. They didn't know what was going on. And all of a sudden they T-boned a triage where kids were getting carried out of a school bloody. He and I have like, again, and, and so the, the connections you have with like that dad, I know him very well. And I know what his family went through and my buddy over there. And so there's, there's a weird connection, but an acknowledgement. Um, but I don't, other than the, sorry, when my phone rings, it connects to the iPad. Um, other than the, um, the people that have chosen to make it their identity, I, I, E, um, someone that lost a daughter and, um, their mission now is, is to, to help with the schools. Um, some have gone political some have, uh, again, there's, there's a couple, uh, relatives of, of people that were, were affected directly that have run for school board and things like that. Other than the people that have made it their thing. And other than the constant reminders that are around town, because there's a lot of businesses that have permanent memorial type signage or a thing inside when you go in, or even on the sign out front of the school, you know, the built business, there's still a lot of that. Cause it's, you know, MSD strong. It's kind of like you guys know Vegas strong. It's like, you know, we're all, we, we all went through this, but we don't want to dwell on it. I think is kind of what I was trying to get to at this point. Um, at the same time, you want to respect all those kids and, and respect the fact that this whole community again is probably still hurting. So what do you do? Yeah. yeah. What, what, what do you, what do you guys do as a community other than the, 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 the tangible representations that, that everybody does, right? There's flowers and memorials and wreaths and, and candlelight vigils. And then um, for the people who really want to keep the memory alive, okay, they do. Um, is there a specific healing process? I mean, other than like what everybody goes through individually in their own way, or like what does a community do other than just time passes and a new shiny object grabs your attention? Great question. Jake, I, um, I remember thinking like six months in, you know, six months after. All right. So I've got one that doesn't want to go talk to anybody right now. Cool. We're going to respect that. 
I've got one that wants to talk to somebody and is talking to somebody right now. Cool. It was very hard to find counseling. First of all, um, was it? Hold everybody on, was real everybody quick. was booked. Yeah. Okay. Everybody so that was, was booked. They got overwhelmed. Okay. Everybody was booked. Everybody of reputation. You know what I mean? Like everybody that someone wanted, someone would say to you, Hey, yeah, that's, that's a really good person. You should talk to that person. They implemented a lot of standard, what I call, um, walk up care. So anybody that needs to talk to somebody, we've got somebody over at the rec center every day and we've got, you know, uh, and we're going to have sessions on Friday nights. If you need, want to come speak in a group, they, they implemented a lot of that stuff that seemed to have kind of faded away. And then COVID's thrown a, 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 a curveball on all of its sense. You know what I mean? They, they, they didn't go back to school after spring break, and now you're back to school. But, um, and I was really, and I was really worried because I remember reading statistics about Columbine and Sandy Hook um, that there's a lot of suicide involved after that with people mm-hmm. that deal with the situation, and they get to a point where they just feel like. What you know again? There's survivor guilt and all those things. I'm sure you talk about from time to time. You know, all of those things are real, and I was worried about that here. And it hasn't really been a thing. I, I understand that we have had a suicide, but not to match the number of kids dead or anything like that. Because I heard, where was it? Littleton. There's been a lot of those kids along the way over the years that had later in life committed suicide. Vegas. It happened with after the Route 91 shooting. Um, that we didn't. I don't know that anybody's tracked the tertiary effects or the quaternary right. effects because I know at least two anecdotal stories of people who were remote. They were like off to school in Idaho or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were so frazzled that they either contemplated or fully went through with the, the suicide attempt. And um, no, that's three. Sorry. Um, and, and nobody's tracking that. Right. So, so we just, we just don't know, but they're, they're beside themselves with the memories of, and they weren't even in attendance. That's the crazy thing. They just knew people who were in attendance that they either lost or got injured. And it, now they're isolated somewhere and they're struggling to get through it. Um, right. Yeah. And and, and you talk about, you talk about the stages and, and again, one of the, one of the benefits of being the tag daddy and hosting gun news weekly was that I was months, if not years, against the average adult in Parkland in terms of the realization that real-world evil exists, mass shootings, as they are defined, do happen, um, and it's that same exact mantra you hear every single time. We never thought it would happen here. Mm-hmm. Everyone forgets about Santa Fe. Ten kids. Yeah. Everyone forgets. So, you know, it, it's so... It's interesting to, 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 to know that I was, again, I was, I was at least, I was, I was already into acceptance phase. You know, there was no denial phase in my, in my recovery at all. This was, holy shit, it happened here. That's crazy. I'll get, holy shit, it happened here. That's crazy. But there was no, I can't believe this happened. Right. As the average person for weeks and months after it happened was going to funerals and being like, I can't believe this happened. I can't. No, I, I, I didn't want it to happen here. I was pissed it happened here. When I investigated all the things that happened that led to that kid being, you know, to being able to not have someone watching him a little bit closer, it's, you know, from the school board to the, to the sheriff's department to the FBI, they're all culpable, all of them. Um, and, and, you know, again, turn the page. We're on to the. We're, it's it's history now. 
And I think that that's what, what I think you're going to see mental health wise is with a bunch of the kids that not so much the leaders, the, the, the faces that, you know, and the names that, you know, but all their friends and helpers and people that have been by their sides doing all this stuff, you know, like time passes. And at some point you realize, Holy shit, nothing we say or do is going to really make a difference. Right. Sorry. You yeah. Know, uh, it's, but one of the things too, that I think people need to understand is because everyone always says like, oh, okay, it's a trauma bomb went off and now we don't know how many people this is going to affect it from a suicide position you know, position. Right. Um, but they also got to think about maybe the kid never starts thinking about suicide or the person everything, but maybe they develop an alcohol problem or maybe they develop a cocaine habit and then they wreak havoc on their families. Do they never get to the point where they actually take their own life? And that's, that's the other piece that I, I think people need to understand. It's you don't just deal with it. You know what I mean? Sometimes it sticks yeah. with you in other ways that become uh, very damaging. It's a great point, Mike. Who knows? Who? I mean, again, no way to track it. But man, right. when you think about it, absolutely. You know, um, drugs feel good. Drugs feel good. They're easy way yep. to escape those those hard feelings and those harsh realities of, of shit that you saw or have to think about or that something sets off for you. It's I, I didn't think about that one, but that's absolutely true. Well, and so do I mean we all react in certain ways. I mean, so does political activism, right? And and I have long said the difference between activism and action neurologically is that activism makes the brain feel something in proxy for what you're actually supposed to feel. So if you're feeling sad or you're feeling guilty, or you're feeling ashamed, like you're not doing enough or whatever anger manifests in picket signs down at the courthouse, it doesn't do anything and it's the wrong emotion, but your brain feels right. something. It feels anger and it goes, yeah, I did. I did something. I accomplished something. Well, no, no, you didn't. You didn't alleviate the fear. Or the or the sadness or the or the guilt or the shame, um, and action takes a disciplined, measured, dedicated sacrifice along a long course to make real actual change. So, you know, if somebody really wants to get rid of guns and they really believe guns are the problem, hoorahing in the streets is not the way to do it. It's it's a very slow, longitudinal process of running for small office, running for bigger office, going into a bit, you know, writing policy behind the scenes. If you don't run and run for office, um, it's not, it's not Twitter, it, you know, right. it's, it's not Facebook. And right. unfortunately that feeds the, the angst as well. So what are you feeling when you have a big gaping hole in your soul after somebody just took 17 of your friends away from you and wounded others and psychologically wounded even more? Well, if, if you don't know how to handle that distress and tolerate it, appropriately go i am very 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 sad or i'm very 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 scared you go i'm angry okay anger motivates that's great use that anger but use it in a logical fashion um some of us who don't know how to do that will go into the alcoholism we'll go into the depression some of some of them will fall short in their careers because they just kind of lose interest or hope because they get a little bit nihilistic and go what does life matter anyway if it can just be snuffed out at the drop of a hat you know and so those right. are all serious dangers and i think the response to this so that we're not just like woe is us like this thing happened to us and there's nothing we can do about it. no what we do is we teach our children and ourselves how to deal with that distress and we also monitor it right we encourage our kids if we notice a sharp departure from what they were oh happy go lucky happy go lucky oh man they're suddenly angry at the world you know we could chalk it up and be like yep event and change 
well, that's who he is now. It's like, yeah, but is that is that productive? Is that healthy? Um, and monitor that and help him help him tolerate this stuff. Of course, that only is effective if we ourselves know how to tolerate it. Um, but that's what I'm big on. I'm, I'm big on you know learning our, what our brains are telling us, what our bodies are doing in response to environments, so that we don't become victims to the to the response to the environment. Would you be surprised if I told you that I took a quick look a couple weeks ago, just because again I don't follow any of them, but I wanted to check it out, and I went and watched or went and just kind of perused three or four of the, of the again the, the the kids that kind of made made it to prominence, I guess you could say. Would it surprise you that? Several of them switched their activism in the in the past several months over to the Black Lives Matter type of argument and and support. No, I don't because I think that regardless of what your your goal is, um, and it may not even be an articulated goal. It may be something super lofty like eliminate the Second Amendment, right? Like that's super lofty. Mm-hmm. It takes a hell of an amount of effort um, and time. I was once taught that enthusiasm is a gas tank. So unless you're constantly refilling it with, with new uh, causes or, or reasons, you're eventually going to peter out. That's why it, it's really hard to sustain something for a long period of time if it's based on emotional fuel. Um, yeah. So it doesn't surprise me at all that two years after the fact or two plus years after the fact that some of the the, the folks who rose to prominence in one arena have sort of met reality and gone, man, this is, this change is harder than I thought it would be. And I I can only sustain so for so long, what's the next thing to get riled up about? And I don't want to, I don't want to invalidate anybody's riling up about anything. I get riled up about lots of things and I go then try to make change. I mean, I reauthored most of my state's mental health laws (laughs) governing our licenses. Um, and I'm doing it again, but damn that like that exhausted me right and so it's sure. like i need something else to pick up on if i want to maintain that that same enthusiasm so i don't want to, anybody listening to this hear me say it's a flavor of the week or it's a fad it's not it's deeply personal to these people and it's, it drives a lot of passion but absent the thing you were first chasing if that suddenly looks like it's not going to work out you know, grab onto something else and the two can dovetail right black lives yeah. matter is about you know um making sure that people are preserved in their lives and, you know, due process and all that stuff. But, um, so it's sort of, it sort of fits. It wouldn't support, it doesn't surprise me really. Yep. I, I figured as much as well. Um, it seemed logical that once again, if something's going to get louder than everything you've been doing and again, chasing attention, a couple of them are really, a couple of them are really, really, really on that. Whew, they, they took it, they ran with it. They got all the, they got all the, the shine and now they think there's something really big and important. And yeah. I'm going to lend my voice to this. It's like, well, was anybody 100%. asking? There you go. <laughs> but it's also a very extreme uh, idea that can't really be quantified too, right? Like end police brutality. What, how do you, what, really? Like, unless you're ending all police, somebody somewhere is going to be brutal. And same, like, end gun violence. Like, well, guns are violent by nature. Like, <laughs> that, that kind of falls in on itself unless you plan to end all guns, uh, which is, again, way out there. So, Or end it, all violence. Yeah, Let's just right. stop the violence. I mean, if we right. can stop violence, that would... I would, be, I would be way more on board with that because there's at least a path to that. And it's called teach love. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, so Kevin, what was that like then? And I'm kind of segueing into another piece to this, but what was it like being the gun guy around all these parents and everybody that emotionally wanted to react and blame the AR-15? 
I had to take a step back big time. I was never going to be the guy over at the the picnic with the sign saying, you know, my rights to a, and it, there was, there was. Up, not showing up to the school with your AR 15 to make a point. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Don't, and, don't and there were a couple good. of those loud voices. Um, what I decided was again, when I, when I became the tech daddy, one of the rules of the, the simple rules of the thing was don't embarrass, do anything to embarrass the girls. So that stood firm because the last thing I'm going to do is something that's going to make it uncomfortable for them. They had friends that were aware of who I am and what I do. I promote sound-minded, responsible adults to get good training and use guns the right way to defend themselves. I've never put up a video with Yahoo shit. I've never put up a video where we're doing anything stupid, blowing things up, anything irresponsible or that I would consider. It just doesn't exist. So if someone wants to wanted to dig down a rabbit hole and try to find me the crazy gun guy to expose me to their parents or something like it just, it's not there. The material's not there. Now, is there plenty of videos with me advocating gun use versus their hating guns? Yeah, sure. Um, I didn't get any flack because I stepped back and I made sure that um, I wasn't again, going to argue with anyone. I noticed things along the way. I mean, the former mayor who I was friends with and, and gave a ride home from, you know, here or there from time to time, you know, all of a sudden I see him at school at the back to school night thing. And he, he looked at me and was very distant, but you know, that was two weeks after he was down at the you know, March for our lives thing, hanging out with the Kardashians. Right. So things change, you know, um, I can tell you that I didn't get any blowback from any of the parents until recently. Really? Like, really? So what had happened was, um, I posted a post in one of the uh, Parkland dads groups on Facebook promoting a, uh, I think it was a rifle class we were putting on. And uh, he messaged it and messaged there and said, if, if you don't mind not putting the machine that killed my daughter on your ad, that'd be cool. And it was. And, you know, I, I said, well, it's, it's, you know, it's a rifle class. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Um, I didn't even get into, you know, it's an animate object, you know, you should, you should be over this by, yeah, like you don't even like want to attack it. Um, and I said to him something along the lines of, well, you know, we're promoting a rifle class. I can't really put pictures of me with a pistol and tell people that it's a rifle class. And he said something along the lines of, he immediately hit me with, you'd probably think things differently if your daughter was dead. And I was like, holy shit. They didn't, he didn't even like wait for the argument to get revved up. It was and this is why I avoided all that stuff because <laughs> two years ago I would have been like, whoa, you know, like now I just like, okay, cool. Change the picture. Had a couple of the guys in the group hit me up and be like, he's real sensitive about that, bro. And I was like, okay. And I realized it was the first time in two years that anyone involved in it had ever said to me anything like, I don't like your gun stuff. I also have other people and dads who lost their kids who have told me point blank. And he came back to me later and said, just so you know, I support your right to defend your family. I'm very sensitive to how guns are presented to the public in America. He sent me that message later. And I said, no harm, no foul. I'm not here to like, I'm putting that gun in there. No matter what you can go screw yourself. Old, you know, like, right. Right. It's not a fight. I'm one fight at all. Um, so anyway, but other than that, it's, it was very, 
I just kind of stepped back. Now, again, the other thing I did is I got busy. I took in like May, June, July of 19, I took somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 hours of active killer training. I'd already had some behind it, but I went and took three day classes here and a two day class there and the battle line guys, all that stuff did it all. It consumed it as much as I possibly could. And during most of them, you know, the instructor would say to me at some point, Kevin, do you want to talk about this? You've lived through this shit. Right. And most of the people in the class were just impressed by the fact that I could look at them and say, never thought it would happen. Never thought it would happen here. It can, it does. It's up to you to be prepared. It's up to you to have conversations with your family. It's up for you to, you know, give your kids the empowerment to do what needs to be done when faced, when facing evil, to get out of there, to evade, escape. And if they have to attack back, attack back. Um, and I'm not here to put on an active killer class, but I learned from several different people and I'll actually, I'll actually pimp one of them because I like doing that stuff. You guys are doing a cool podcast here. <laughs> if anyone wants to get, it's um, they, how to survive an active killer. Aaron Gennetti, good friend of uh, a bunch of our friends. Great book. Um, and did some training with him as well. There's, there's just a lot that most people don't think about when it comes to real world violence. And when it comes to an active killer or a spree killer or an angry coworker that shows up with a gun, this shit happens. Um, it's rare, but it can happen to anybody. I mean, that's just really the message. Yeah. You know, I want to commend you for that interaction with the father who, you know, lost his kid uh, because I think that's really cool. I think that's almost kind of the, what walk the talk is all about, right? It's about understanding and it's about kind of meeting people where they're at. And, Mm -hmm. and I I feel like in the court of public opinion, we have failed as a two A community sometimes when we have that pride from my cold dead hands, or I will not change that picture because that picture represents freedom. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I'm going to play a clip here. It's a clip that really spoke to me when I saw it. Um, I, I think I actually even made a, its own post about it um, because how you put things was, was awesome. Um, because I don't feel like we're going to change the non-gun or the gun neutral mind if we don't be cool. Right. And we don't have these conversations where we're not just shutting people down. So I'm going to play this clip. And I know there, the, you got some blowback from it from, and I'll let you talk about that. But this, this is the clip. There are some logical sides of things about guns. We all should be able to have one and protect ourselves. There's also some logical sides on the other side where anti-gunners need to understand a few things that I think they're uneducated about. And there's also some things that the pro-gun side needs to kind of back off on or understand or massage a little bit different because we now live in a world where irregardless of all of the different contributing factors, which there was multiple, the kid got an AR-15 and went and shot other kids. 17 people died. That's a problem. Yes, it's rare. I know that it's rare. I know the stats on 36,000 a year, break it all down. I know the stats on how many, you know, again, where's the 17 in Parkland fits in. And we broke the record last year with 57. That's something that to not address just because you feel like you should have your second amendment, right. doesn't feel right to me. I, I love that. I, I absolutely. My point was you can do both. You can yeah. do both. 
Um, and again, some people, I, I had people that were, again, I, I was close to a few people that I, I lost along the way during this journey because their opinion about the second amendment is so strong and, and again, well-rooted. And, and again, some of these guys are ex-military. I get it, man. They, they've had brothers die for the flag, for the right, for the second amendment, for all of those things. And they, they draw a line and they, you know, if you even mention massaging and, I don't even think we're mentioning massaging. I'm not trying to take away people's rights. I'm trying to say, how do we address those things so this doesn't happen to another 3,000 families? I, call me crazy. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a human. When things happen and you see a fix or you see a potential way to help, rather than just be like, well, you know, it happened, but statistically, it's not going to happen to anybody else. So, you know, screw it. Everybody gets grenade launchers and you could be 15 and, you know, you right. should have whatever it's, 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 there is a, there's a sound minded reasonableness that the far two a rights guys are not going to come off of. And I rubbed a few of them the wrong way with things that I was saying in writing. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, I, I say to them, sorry, I was having dinner with two kids that lived through it every night. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is not having the conversation and sitting down and, and trying to understand where they're coming from or listening to them and then getting them to feel comfortable opening up to you is that you can't present solutions. A lot of these guys don't have solutions, and I'll be the first one to say that. They say, pry from a cold down their hands, and then they just say, I don't know what the solution is. Walk Talk America, we've found some solutions, and I think that's what's resonated with the anti-gun or maybe the gun neutral, you know, mental health professionals out there they're like that's a really interesting look but we had never gotten the opportunity to present that look if we weren't cool everybody that's been involved in the organization has gone into conversations being like this person is going to get emotional um and i can let them you know and i i, I can meet them where they're at and, and recognize the tragedy and i think you did that i think that clip encompasses the whole walk the talk philosophy it doesn't feel right not to recognize their pain. You know, and, and the answer is not restrictions. We're not saying that. And I never heard you say that in there. When I first heard it, I heard, had heard you saying, there's got to be a way that we can find some solutions to make everybody happy without restriction. Now, the staunch 2A guy probably just shut down and was like, talking to them? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> you know, That's so. exactly right. They, again, <laughs> It's funny because to me that the other funny part is they, they'll talk all day on social media about how much of an idiot Pelosi and this guy and that guy and all these people that, that they're totally scared of are morons. Well, okay. It's, it's okay. Whatever. Um, not to get on a political rant. I will tell you this. I, I appreciate walk the talk more than, you know, I did, I did one with that law enforcement today, I sat down with them. I did one with uh, Matt from never enough ammo. I haven't done a podcast or talked to people about this in two years since then. And so thank really? you. And, and I wouldn't do it with anybody else to be honest with you. Um, because nobody else in the gun community that's doing online stuff is capable of having this conversation. They shut it down. And hopefully some of those people watch this and realize now I'll take that back. A lot of them have had Mike on as guests and I'll give those people the kudos they deserve. Cause at least they opened up their channel and they opened up their podcast or whatever their, their show and said, I'm going to have this guy on and have a conversation and show people this. Now, do they advocate for you afterwards? Do they keep it moving afterwards? I don't know. Um, 
But I think that what you have is unique in that, again, what you're doing makes perfect sense to people that get it. And if you open up your eyes enough and have a conversation with someone who's been through something, you'll probably realize, oh, wait a minute. So we can help this person. I can still protect my family. I'd still, you know what I mean? There, there, there's ways to do both. Yeah, you you said earlier with both and it's a phrase that I really like. And uh, in our world, clinically, we call that the dialectic. It's it's the both and as opposed to binary, which is the opposite. It's either or. And right. I, I'm, I'm hearing, because I'm, I'm new to this community as of, you know, a year and a half ago or so. I've owned guns my whole life. I've talked about this before, but um, was never into the culture until I met Mike. And then I started going to some of the shows and, and conferences, and it's been really, really great. Um. And what I'm noticing is that the sides, if you will, um, the restriction versus the um, advocate side of firearms, they are basically each other's worst enemy and they don't want to acknowledge it. And it's like to come to the center is to acknowledge that, well, maybe I need to abandon a little bit of my position for the betterment of all. For example, what I keep hearing um, bandied about, and I haven't, I haven't actually come that's not true. I have run into a couple of people who literally said the phrase, I'm not going to put my gun in a safe because I need access. And it's like, okay, well, there's a solution to that. Um, you can practice. And Matt, Mike says this all the time. He says, practice opening your safe as often as you practice putting lead on target. Like that should be just a thing that we do. And that's, that is a solution that the gun community can do upon itself. So it's not forced upon it by some other external entity. Go, go be safe. Go take care of your property so that it doesn't fall into the hands of children. And then it, you won't have to worry about laws, right? So that's something we can do. But what I'm hearing is like these people are talking like like the two can't coexist. Um, personal attention to mental wellness, personal attention to your family's well-being, safe storage uh, can't possibly coexist with unfettered 2A. It's like, no, they, yeah, they can actually, they can. And we're doing, really? where, where are you on this? And what I'm noticing is the, it, both sides are doing it. The more, more reasonable people are simply getting shouted down by the louder, more boorish personalities. And it's like, well, when are the reasonable people going to get a little louder? Or maybe we just need to be more consistent. I don't know. Um, but that's my like relatively new outsider's perspective. And I'm trying to figure out how it could be so obvious that we have tragedy happening all the time and there's a solution to it. It's called talk about it and, and look out for your fellow brother and sister. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't get it. If the, the, there's the badass aspect of the gun owners. The, the, what, what there is, is in my opinion at this point, the gun community, there is no unity. It's, it's a bunch of different, for lack of a better term, cults and subcults, units and subunits under again there's the sports shooting guys there's the duck hunters there's the tactical guys there's trainers there's the competitive people um there's the edc people there's the gear and gun junkies there's the patch collectors there's the i mean i can go on and on and on and on and they all have their own interests and they all think that their interest is the most important one as long as i can go shoot on saturdays at my competitions and ammo's available and i got my sponsor spending money on me whatever Hmm. Oh, there's a, there's a two a rally once a year. I guess I can show up and support that. All right. You know, and then, but day to day, they don't give a shit. Just my opinion. Um, there's, there's, 
ideologies within each of those groups that include the absolutes. So if you're not 100% in with that, on with that, and you veer just a little bit, you'll get banned from the group, shunned from the group, kicked out of the Facebook group. All that's it happens all the time. All these things happen. Hmm. Um, and, and, and then you have different influencers fighting about stuff. I mean, I saw one recently. I was just like, I can't believe these two guys with the big followings that they have are, are arguing to each other about this stuff. Hmm. You know, they should be together. Everyone should be on the same page, uh, in a perfect two way world. Everyone's YouTube video would end with the same little, make sure you support the second amendment little thing, you know, whatever it was. And every single video that you saw had it just never going to happen. So you have all of that. And then a school shooting happens or a church shooting happens or something happens in the news. And then you have all of those people doing the different things instead of a coherent gun community. This doesn't exist. And now you have the NRA. Yeah. Holy. I mean, yeah, I was just about to say, it's, it, it doesn't help any that the largest voice has just been exposed for the corruption that apparently everybody knew was happening for several years anyway and was sort of tut-tutted away in it as it was. I, I have a meme that I have that I haven't, I haven't re- released yet, and I'm hesitant to because I know it'll piss too many people off, but it's basically, you know, all your training certificates are, are, are granted to you by the most corrupt organization in the industry. Did I say that because 80% of the instructors out there just have a shingle from the NRA and say, I, I'm an instructor. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing. There's a lot of disconnected stuff in the gun, in the gun industry. And the, the, the notion is we all have guns. We're all on the same team and we all think the same. Nope. Yeah. They, they, that's the biggest issue. It's one of the biggest hurdles is, is getting people to understand. I don't know how many times I've walked into a room with mental health professionals and they're like the NRA. And I'm like, there's more to the gun industry than the NRA. There's, there's organizations that do are doing amazing things that could actually probably pick up the torch and go and not have corruption and not be so polarizing. Um, you know, and, but then again, you know, sometimes, sometimes the pride from a cold dead hands guy or the NRA helps me be successful. Because I can go, I don't, you know, don't worry about the, you know, they have some far out things over there, but Hey, talk to me, you know, or they're like, that's been my thing the whole, that's been my thing the whole time. Again, I have my, I have my fans. I have my detractors. I'm just an average everyday dad that 10 years ago was like, I'm going to put out content. I'm going to get into this world. It's going to be a hobby that turns into some fun. I'm going to try to make some money along the way. Let's do this. Um, I'm not military. I'm not police. I don't have those backgrounds. I've never arrested anybody, but I've had enough training along the way when it comes to everyday carry, when it comes to pistols and rifles and the the general safety of operating those systems. um, It's a passion. It's something that I love. I'm I'm always going to do it. And there's, there's lots of guys like me out there, accountants and guy that works at the gas station and guy that, you know, just everyday dudes, the gun is the commonality, right? Um, everyone has a different lifestyle behind that gun. They don't always mix. However, I will say that over the last six months, I've seen a unity among the gun culture. That's what I call it is the gun culture. Cause it, that's just my thing is that I've seen a, a, a 
a unifying voice with what something like eight to 10 million new gun owners of which they think 60 to 80% is a minority, but B first time buyer. Mm -hmm. And, and again, when I get off this zoom call, I have another buddy neighbor coming by with his new gun. He wants me to show him how to clean it. He wants me to show him a couple other things, um, et cetera, et cetera. I have had more of those phone calls from average everyday people that used to say, uh, Kevin, the gun nut. Oh, you're going to the range again, dude. Do you do anything else? You know, those types of things. And now it's, when are you going to the range next? Mm. Can you show me this? How many guns do you have for sale? <laughs> Cause there's no guns for sale. Right, down here. Right. Sure you <laughs> so, but what I've been impressed about the gun, um, about most gun folks is with all of those new people and all the questions on social media and all the new, again, interest that's shown up. I've seen an overall general join us. Come on in. We know you're new. We're going to get you up to speed. Don't worry. Yes, it's a gun thing. Yes, you're going to get you, but we're going to get you there. You've obviously made the jump on the first most important thing, which is your mindset has changed. Something in your brain and every single person that I know that, again, has no problem with people with guns are the people that have seen some shit in their life. They've experienced something. They've been jumped. They have an uncle that got killed. They Something happened that made them change their mindset to say that, holy shit, the guys in the blue for the most part are great. And again, we know there's some bad apples that everyone's talking about right now in the police. But I say, for the most part, police are there not to protect and serve. They're there to respond, clean up, and investigate. The thought that, again, a bad guy is going to come running at me in an alley and some cop is magically going to appear to be in between me and him, most people have kind of realized, holy shit, the police precinct is on fire? Where are those cops? Right. Probably home with their wives, making sure that they're safe. You know, and that's the other thing about the rioting and looting and all that stuff. If you go down the mental road of what's next, what's next, what's next, eventually those cops have families to go protect. As great as they are every day, as much bullshit as they put up with every day, as much as they go through as a police officer, they have a family. So I think most people these days, the mindset, the mental click of it's kind of on me. I mean, I don't know if you've heard these calls, but I know people that the wife was never a gun in my house. Never will we have a gun in my house. Hey, Kevin, my wife says that we need to get a gun in the house. There's been some really interesting exchanges on Reddit under the uh, liberal gun owners sub. Really good, nuanced conversations to that end. Dozens of them. And and those are just the people on that thread. Like, who knows who's and reading And willing them. to talk about it. And right. willing to talk about it. Right. Right? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. And, and I'm glad you're saying that because something just clicked in my head. So for as much as we bellyache about, like, the people who have been sticks in the mud up to this point... Maybe now is the time to seize upon the new culture shift and go, hey, new owners, here's how we do things, as opposed to, oh, God, the messaging up to this point in time. It's like, well, no, you got several million new gun owners. What a great opportunity to change the narrative. The narrative is personal responsibility, personal accountability, right? Like, don't don't look to the government to help you. Don't look to your association to give you guys, like, you do it. You go seek out the best training you can find, right? This is a, what a great opportunity. And then all of a sudden, before we know it, those those people who are like out on the fringy extremes, they're like they're getting swallowed up because they their their voice just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, there, there was a there was a time when this 
first popped off and everybody was going into firearm shops and just buying whatever they could. Right. And you had all these new gun owners. And I remember there was this gun shop owner, I think he was out of California or something. And he was super frustrated that he had new customers coming in that didn't know the process and were getting angry because they couldn't get their guns. And I remember like inside the gun community, everybody was like, yeah. And I wanted to jump through the screen and shake the shit out of the dude because I wanted to be like, yo, you have all these people coming now. You have all these people coming now and you're, you're not welcoming. Yeah, you're, you're annoyed. Sir, we told you so. I told was you right. So? right. I told, you was a, I told you it wasn't an easy process to get a gun. Right. And it, and it was so frustrating. I was like, why are we celebrating this? These, this is the type of conversation that we should celebrate privately amongst other gun owners. Like, ah, they didn't realize, you yeah. know what I mean? But you don't put it out there for everybody to see, yeah. um, you know, cause that turns people off again. And I feel like that's what we always do. We turn people off, yeah. turn people away when we act foolish. The parallels, the parallels to my profession are startling. Because we do the same thing. We will we will sit there and be like, why aren't more people interested in mental health? And then like somebody comes in and goes, hey, here's a cool new, whatever it is, video, theory, <laughs> modality. And everybody's like, boo, hiss, you're not doing it the right way. And oh, by the way, are you going to steal my clients? Like telehealth, no, we don't trust that because you might just drop into our state from Connecticut and start practicing in Nevada. It's like. Uh, Nevada, you're you're dead last in behavioral health care. I think we probably use some help from Connecticut. No, they're <laughs> going to take all my business or stealing our jobs. They're like, you you just spent 20 years complaining about how nobody respects your profession, and now you're like pushing people away. It's staggering, staggering. That's crazy. I can't. <laughs> Man. And I think, and I think, and and Mike, you're absolutely right because people went immediately to the you've been, you know, you've been saying for five years how hard it is to get a gun and how the loophole's so easy. And now you're realizing that it's not, it's like, okay, cool. How about instead of that, when you say, Hey, when you get your gun, because it sounds like you're, you're, you're serious. Can, can we go to the range together? Or can I hook you up with one of my trainers? That should be what we all are thinking in my mind. Um, 8 million brand new gun owners scare the shit out of me Yep. because 8 million untrained brand new gun owners don't again they're the ones that inevitably all those stories that we used to report on that they called them accidental discharges but they were all a violation of one of the four safety rules somewhere along the way or a shitty holster or all these things that if you get good training and you, you go down that road i think what we need to stress to these new gun owners is that this isn't just get a gun put it in a glove box put it in your nightside table and when shit goes bad at two in the morning and your wife's kicking you and the alarm's going off and the dog's going off, you're going to turn into John wick with no lights on in the house with yeah. your gun that you haven't even gone to the range with more than once. Stop it. Yeah. That's what I think we need to stress to people. This is, this is a, yes, you now have an equalizer so that if someone has greater force, i.e. they have a gun and you don't, you now have a gun too, but now what? And, and beyond that to me, the conversation again, we'll get this back to suicide. Um, you got a, you got a despondent teenager in the home and who has access to that. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Like, and, and, and you know, we're not, we're not doing a good job of saying, um, Hey, go buy a gun and, uh, be safe. But also, uh, the gun isn't where the purchasing ends, right? You, you, 
you you buy a safe. But for somebody who's really just finally got it together and goes, all right, I'm going to drop several hundred dollars on this firearm. Oh man, I got to drop a couple hundred more on the safe. Oh, I should probably get a USCCA membership. You know, like the money, I, money, more money, and then more money on I, training and more money on bullets. And you know, it's like we got to prepare people. Like this is a thousand dollar investment just at I, the outset. I, I wrote an article for Gun Carrier five years ago, and it said your five hundred dollar pistol really cost you twelve hundred dollars. Brilliant. And I literally broke it down to exactly what you said: three hundred dollars <laughs> for ammo. You need to go take a class. You need to have a safe. All those things, and that is the first one that I that I do say to people when they say I'm getting a a, a gun. Before I say, "Are you getting a holster?" I say, "Are you getting a safe?" Yeah. And and many of them already have safes. I found hmm. safes are. There's there's a lot of them out there in people's homes for their stuff. That's so, good to know. Yeah, yeah. You know, so something else that just popped in my head too. This has been a good podcast. You know, it's, it's good when I have several things. That I go, that's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> but accident is something that I've been working with my five year old on because he'll say, "I accidentally blah blah blah," right? And and he's right. It was not intentional. So there's a difference between intent, which is sometimes sinister, right? When you slap your brother with intent to harm him versus slapped him because you were just whipping the thing around and didn't see him. But accident, it was an accident, should not be permission to move on without education. I think we need to change the language to negligence because negligence means you failed to account. And what I've been telling Elijah is, Look, accidents don't happen if you're paying attention. And by and large, for the five-year-old who's knocking drinks over or hitting his brother or throwing mud in the wrong place, yeah, you're not paying attention. That's fine. He's five. He's impulsive. I get that. But for adults who are owning firearms and negligently discharging them, that's not an accident. It isn't just like, oops, <laughs> teehee. No, I, 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 teach, um, I teach basic pistol, and, and we do that first thing. It's the four, four rules. And I state every time I say, you know, we covered thousands of stories on this Thursday night show. And what I can tell you is that every single one that they called an accident, an accidental discharge, Jose Canseco was cleaning his gun and it accidentally went off and shot his finger off. No, no. He broke one of those rules. He, the first one, he did not treat the gun as if it was loaded. If he did, it wouldn't have been pointed at anything. There wouldn't have been, you know, you wouldn't have put your finger on the trigger. The, the psychology of those four rules and saying, if you follow these four rules religiously, your chances of not having a negligent, negligent discharge go up dramatically. I'm not going to say never, but almost never. If you follow the rules and you respect that gun the way it's supposed to, yeah. It should never happen. It should never happen. It should be never be pulled out and played with. It should never be done anything other than to use it, train with it, or put it away. Yeah. So, you know, th th there's a lot that an average new gun owner needs from the gear to the training to the ammo. I mean, ammo, good luck. That's the one mm -hmm. I'm seeing more than anything. They're all realizing, holy shit, where are the bullets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sorry. Why are they a dollar around? <laughs> Dude. It, it, it it's mine by I, I, you know, nine's more than two, two, three right now in a lot of places. If you can find it. Yeah. You can't find nine out in Nevada right now. Well, I'm seeing, I'm seeing 22 LR for 13, 15 cents around in bulk. It's like, wow. yeah. Like what? <laughs> it was, it was like and a year and a half ago that sell. nine was 13, 15 cents around. When there's no other options on the shelf, it'll sell for that price. That's what's it crazy. Will. 
market. Yeah. Well, and, and we're going to deal with that for about another year, just on the manufacturing side of things from what I hear. Yeah. I'm sure you hear things too, but it's good luck. Yeah. And then the, oh, pro- yeah. then the problem is when it slows down and the toilet clogs, then it's fire cell and it doesn't help the, the inconsistency, you know, being that I've been on both sides of this more of the influencer side these days, um, I hate to use that term, but it's sure, you sure. Know, been, I've also been on the actual business side of the firearms industry. Um, and these are the type of moments where we have to be very careful because we, we all seem to be like lemmings and we walk into, you know, or we walk off the cliff together because we don't know when to lay off the gas because we want to maximize profits, right. Um, while things are hot. So we ramp up all of our manufacturing and then what happens is then it clogs and then we fire sell it and flush it. And then almost, you know, companies go out of business and you know, you think there'll be a shot show this year. I'm curious. I don't think there will be a shot show. I think at the end, yeah, they're going to cancel it, but Vegas um, just no. opened up everything. Vegas, everything's open in Vegas right now, except for I think the uh, the I almost said bordellos. Um, the uh, <laughs> bordellos. <laughs> that's so funny. I don't know where that came from. The the um, yeah. The, so anyway, the, that, that and, the, and the nightclubs. Yeah, limited, limited capacity. capacity, but but everything's open. Uh, restaurants, uh, barber salons, you know, hair salons, nail salons. Um, bars, casinos, just everything except the um, the whorehouses and the um, what you call it the because that's uh, where the Corona bar, lives. I, I, the the nightclubs, yeah. yeah, the nightclubs and the strip clubs, yeah. Broth, you can brothels. see it in the air it, in the black lights there. That's why they don't let you in. Those <laughs> yeah. No, but so that, but that having you know going back to the shot show, I know NSSF right now is saying you know. Hey, it's on, but if we, if you choose not to come, we're going to keep half or we're going to keep half of your down payment or something and we'll apply it to next year's. Um, I just don't see how they're going to be able to, first of all, Jake, the, the, a couple of things that concern me about shot show is uh, number one, you know, the amount of people that descend on Las Vegas, um, obviously those, those numbers will be down this year naturally. Cause I know a lot of people, I know some people from Eagle that can't go cause they have, they can't take a chance. Right. Um, because they have, compromised immune systems and things like that. Um, and then you have all the international travelers that can't even get in here. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, and then you have, um, a a culture that is very anti-mask. Many of us are right. Like, um, the, the, the protocols for the show too, for the, you know, the cleaning of the booths and the, and the, what an actual booth would have to go through to run it up to the code that they're saying they're going to do shows by, it's going to be interesting to see what companies are like, yeah, no. Yeah. And, yeah, and but, which actually show up. But, uh, but back to your mask things. I mean, yeah. what are they going to do? They arrest people? Thousand, imagine thousands of people walking through. Because I don't know, Jake, if you've been to any casinos, but they are pretty strict with the mask yeah. thing. If you have it down for two seconds, they're on you, right? Because they can get fined. Sislak has got a team of people out there looking for people t- to find businesses. So imagine having all these gun people walking around who, you know, are taking their mask off or throwing their mask down. It's just going to be a mess if they do have it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I well, don't know. The other thing about those shows is, is you're, you're walking around and literally touching things the whole day. Like yeah, if you yeah. go to Trading a show. Germs. And there was already the shot flu, right? And now we're going to. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Shot Show AIDS is real. <laughs> Everybody catches now it. We, now we overlay it with a novel coronavirus. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, so well, Kevin, thanks. Well, thanks for being here. Go ahead, say, say whatever you're going to say. No, I was going to. I was going to thank you guys for the opportunity to come on. Appreciate it. Uh, you you brought up a lot of st- again. I'm I'm a, I've been in therapy all my life. It's some form or the other. After my dad died and this and that and the other and. I'm, I'm, I'm big on the fact that when you talk through things, it helps things. And I, again, something like I mentioned, I haven't talked like that. Um, that first part of our conversation, reliving it in a good year. And it's good to just kind of, again, touch the pulse of it and, and, and kind of give myself a little melt to check along the way that I'm, you know, again, it, it sucked, man. And, and, but, um, it's, it's made us stronger. It's made us better. And, and hopefully people can learn from my story somewhere along the way that again, carry a med kit. You might be able to help somebody someday, you know, do the little things that tech daddy does and says and talks about along with all those other, like, like Mike said, you know, the influencers are out there. The one thing that they do do well together is put out good information about what's what and, and, and what you could put in your life, figure out what your knife is, figure out what your gun is, figure out what your med kit is, carry them every day, be prepared, get a lot of training. Yeah. And, and to the days. med kit, I mean, that sounds like a great idea. Um, Rob was the first one to show me that. And I was like, that's a great idea. Everybody who carries a gun should be carrying a med kit. Um, and probably handcuffs because you don't need to be like addressing somebody depending, who might not be down. Right? Yeah. Be, be careful on that one because depending on where you live, handcuffs can be illegal. That's it's true. A, it's a weird one. That's it's true. Really it could be, one. it could be a false imprisonment thing. Yeah, that's true. But I have, I mean, I but, carry a minimalist tourniquet and a pen in a little immediate casualty care kit that I literally just goes yeah. in a pocket everywhere I go. Cause if you're, you're much more likely to run into a car wreck or something that you can help sure. somebody. Well, uh, yeah. So, so, and know how to use it, right. Is the other half of that. So it was like, there you go. Well, I don't know how to do, you know, chest wound dressing. <laughs> I, better, I shouldn't yeah, right. be carrying that thing if I don't know how to use it. <laughs> so it's a good point. At the same time, you can have the equipment and there's a chance somebody, somebody else, else that could be around. You could be the equipment provider and somebody yeah. else could actually you know, provide Great the care. Point. Great point. Yeah. And because we're on a podcast and nobody can see it, I want to give a shout out to Kevin Dixie because you're wearing your NOC hat. Um, he was on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Shout out to Kev. We, we love you, Kev. Uh, all right, Mike, you, you get to ask your favorite question. Kevin, how do you tend to your mental health? Ooh, I tend to my mental health by focusing on um, the core of what keeps me going, which is my family. Um, I make sure that every day I, I take at least a minute and check on the three ladies in my life somehow, some way. And everything kind of seems to flourish from that. Uh, I, w- I don't want there to be days go- that go by that I don't talk to my daughter just cause she's in a state away. You know, I, I don't want there to be times that go by that my wife, my wife and I've been together. I met her when I was 17. We got married. We've been married 20 years she's a nurse. There can be two or three days go by where she gets home, eats, and is just too tired to do anything. And, you know, a day, a full 24 hours can go by that we don't even have like a reasonable conversation. I make sure that I, we, we put something in every day. Um, and, f- and then on top of it, um, strong support system, talking every day to friends that I know that get me and will call me out and challenge me when I'm full of shit. Um, I think building an echo chamber and, and having support is one thing, but making sure that there's some people in there that know you well enough, care about you enough, 
um, and are willing to say things that they know that you might get mad about, but eventually know that it comes from love uh, is critical in, in an adult support system these days. It's a really That's good awesome. answer. Yeah. And, and here's another takeaway for me. My wife is also a nurse and we don't always talk every day and I need to deliberately build in those uh, types of protections. Um, thank you for that. At the same time, they, a lot of time they need that breathing room too, oh, right? Sure. As a nurse because yeah. of what they do and they come home and they, and you know, it's like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> but it's easy so, to, to slip down that path of just now oh, we haven't talked for three or four days and then, you know, you touch base and then it's three or four more days. And then before you know, it, you look back and you're like heading toward divorce because we grew quote unquote, we grew apart. You're like, you could have done something. Parallel train tracks. One goes off by just a tiny degree, 10 yards away. It's still kind of close a hundred yards away. They're way apart. Yeah. Right. Just one little variance that is allowed to go in the wrong direction. Um, and I use that analogy for a few different things, but that's one, you know, with relationships, you got to keep those things parallel. And the only way to do it is keep keep them parallel, you know. Um, yeah, man, that's really good. Yeah. Good stuff. So, where can people find you, Kevin? TacDaddy.com, T A C D A D D Y dot com. You can check out the the book that I wrote on Aware and Prepared dot live, and it's Aware A N D Prepared dot live. Um, and I've kind of again I've stepped back. I used to put out content every day. I used to do live stuff once or twice a week on Facebook. Um, it's a little bit more rare these days and I'm, I'm concentrating on uh, a community here of new gun owners that need training. We're doing a lot of stuff with the brain range. Uh, I would also throw that out there. Check out the brain range on Instagram. We're combining cognitive training with laser cert and, um, and, uh, airsoft guns. It's actually pretty cool stuff. So, um, that's something that we're working on. That's local. That uh, we're doing, a, spending a lot of time there, but that's something that we're working on. And uh, yeah, tacdaddy.com is really where it's at. I got a blog there and uh, follow me on Facebook. That's where I usually post stuff related to gun stuff. Yeah. And I, I want to just add that, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a copy of your book before you had actually released it. Um, and it, it is really good. There's some really good stuff in there. So if you're listening to this and you want a good read and get into the mind of uh, dive deeper into what we just covered today. Uh, download that book and check it out. It's awesome. So I'm very proud of brother. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me on. And um, again, anytime in the future, just let me know. Good, good chat for sure. Well, thanks, Kevin. And on behalf of the Walk the Talk America family and the Zephyr Wellness family, uh, give thanks to Arms Corps for continuing to sponsor our podcast and our efforts. Uh, any of you who want to reach out to us, do so at info at WTTA.org. You can also contact me at info at ZephyrWellness.org. And uh, if you're looking for sponsorships, we would love to have you. Um, Got to keep this thing moving. Um, people, are, people are in need. We need to heal, and we need to protect our ability to defend ourselves as well as we choose. So... Continue to follow us, share this around, um, make a friend, give a podcast. That, that's going to be our new hashtag. Give a podcast, <laughs> make a friend. <laughs> All right, boys. Have a All wonderful right. rest of your day. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Thanks again for having me. Oh.